You know, I'd, I'd first say video content overall. Be really clear on what goal you're trying to achieve with your video content. Um, video can be an extremely powerful tool for for learning and and especially for self-paced learning on the internet. And so make sure that um, you do your best to uh, start with a goal and then dig into the actual details of the video and build something that's really powerful for for your audience. So uh, as a, as a at the content strategy level, I'd say video. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be part of your your content strategy, but video itself can can fully enrich your content uh, and take it to the to the next level. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. My name is Matt Pierce, host of the Visual Lounge, and I'm really excited to be here today, guys. I'm so excited to be talking with everybody today because we are going to be talking about using content strategy. What is content strategy? Well, we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about how video fits into that, how to make sure that you're making videos that can be you know, usable for the long term, and how you manage if you've got products that are always changing or content that's always needing to update. We'll talk a little bit about that too, because we've got a great guest who knows a thing or two about having to deal with all those types of problems and overcoming them. So let me go ahead and introduce our guest for today. Andrew is a senior learning experience strategist at Alassian University, the customer education team for Jira, Confluence, and Trello. With a background in integrated marketing and learning design, Andrew specializes in building creative, innovative content that helps customers to find value in SaaS products. And with that said, welcome back to the Visual Lounge, Andrew DeBell. Andrew, welcome. Thank you very much, Matt. Great to be here again. It is always great to have you on the show. Uh, so for those who have maybe not he heard the show, you were on a previous episode, How to Ruin a Great Tutorial, one of our panel episodes that a lot of people have heard. I know that. Uh, that was just fan full, fantastic, like what not to do. Uh, so I'm excited we get to talk a little bit about what to do <laughs> this time. So let's go ahead and, and jump in. First question, um, and we may have asked you this before, but you know, I, I know you've been out in kind of the world of learning development. I've seen you've done stuff with video for quite a while. Tell us, tell us about the getting started with using video. What was that for you? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, somehow for, for whatever reason, uh, started doing video when I was a child at a young age. I, I grew up in the in the 90s and sort of like the pre YouTube era. And for some reason, I, I was just attracted to the medium. And uh, as soon as YouTube came out in like 2000, I don't know, mid 2000s, like 2005, 2006, um, I like jumped on it right away and uh, just was creating a lot of like kind of weird music videos, with my friends and, and a lot of like interesting uh, kind of just experiments um, back then. And uh, I just extended that out all the way into my career somehow. So uh, even in college, I was I, submitted videos for different contests throughout there and won some different contests and awards. And then right after college, got a, a job in marketing and the creative team and got to actually like learn about video production and like sit with like very experienced people in the in the video production world and uh, produce large shoots, actually edit some final cuts uh, more on like the brand and marketing side, but got just super deep and exposed into into that world of, of video on the professional like career side. Uh, and so in the, in the past, probably five to seven years that that's transitioned out of marketing into customer education and training videos, but video for some reason just has been that one thing that's, that's kind of stuck through uh, my life, no matter where I've gone. So, um, it's been, a been a good journey so far. 
Well, I, I love that. And I, I have to ask just because I'm super curious, was it like a, because I don't know a lot of people that, you know, they're doing stuff like as a kid thinking, I'm going to be a marketer. I'm going to be a customer education specialist. Were you thinking like, oh, yeah, I love film. You're going to go that route, like maybe professionally, whether that what meant film, television, uh, you know, independent production. Is that what you're hoping for? Or is that just kind of it just kind of stuck with you as you pursued other things? Yeah, you know, I think it just kind of stuck with me. I was actually more interested in, in music for a long time. So that that music video piece, um, I have a YouTube channel called Jam Campus. It's educational music videos for for K through 12 uh, kids. And and so that was kind of a side project for a long time. Haven't done it in a little while. Uh, but but that was one thing where it was like music was the main thing. And video was just a way to kind of like bring another level to that that music experience. Um, but I found that in, you know, in a professional career sense, video seems to uh, be more valuable than than um, making little tunes and little, little songs here and there. So uh, I think I just pursued that based on sort of the, the demand and the ability to to get a job and, and start a career in that space. Well, I love that. And we'll have to go check out that that YouTube channel, see what it's all about, because I, I see the value of making music and having that because it's obviously a value add to videos. But my next question for you, Andrew, is really, um, you know, you because you're making videos on you've made, made them for marketing purposes and you're making them for learning purposes now. And maybe there's a commonality, maybe there's not. But how do you define success for the videos that you're creating? Yeah, yeah, good question. I, um, you know, I, I think every every video creator, every content creator, probably has their own sort of like internal standards for video to be like, this is a good video and this is a bad video or a, a video that I don't think meets my own requirements. <laughs> um, I know I, I definitely have have that, um, but I think it, you know, what what I'm realizing more and more is that, you know, it it always it always comes back to what you're trying to do with that piece of content what you know you're not just creating a video just for the heck of it or you're probably not there's probably some reason or some something that you're trying to do with that video maybe it's uh to have the audience change their behavior slightly or learn some type of skill or maybe it's purely for entertainment purposes right so so being clear on like what that outcome is that you're trying to get to before you even start the video that's really how you can you can define success so for for me at the current moment um, a lot of the video content that we create is tied to customer education and customer knowledge. So a uh, customer doesn't know something before they watch the video, they watch the video. And then the hope is by the end of the video that they've learned something, that, that there's some like knowledge attainment, something that they've they've gained from that video. And you can test that right with it with multiple choice questions or, or quizzes or knowledge checks to see if that video actually was successful in completing that goal. So it just depends uh, overall what your goal is and and what you're trying to do with it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's a fair answer, right? Like it's always going to be slightly different for the outcome you're looking for. So, but I think, so I think that's a great answer. Uh, next question though is, you know, if you could give everybody kind of one tip, you know, lots of people are who listen to the podcast, watch the show, you know, they're still new to video. They're still figuring this out. You've, you've had uh, lots of experience growing up, making video, going, getting a job or doing it a lot. So what's one tip that you think would, help anyone who's learning to make video to get a little better. Yeah. One, it's hard to narrow it down to one, Matt, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll take uh, two. I, okay. 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 Um, you know, w one thing that I I'm, I'm trying to still overcome in my, in my video creation is this idea of 
perfectionism. And I think that a lot of people in video get caught up in that where like they don't want to share their video until it's absolutely perfect and they spend hours and hours and every second and figuring out all the details. And and my tip is more to just take a, a slightly like more relaxed approach, especially when you're working with a new customer, a new team or, or new client um, to start off. Just getting something over to the for, for to that to your audience to react to right away as a first draft, I think is a much more valuable way to get a better end product video than spending so much time up front and and all the details and the nitty gritty before you even uh, are able to to share that with someone. So I, I just have found over time because I used to do that all the time uh, and then have to just redo the entire video on the other end. Just get something out, get something to someone to respond to. It's more of an agile way of, of working and it, it tends to create better results uh, over the long term. So that's one. But, uh, one more, if I can. Just yeah, like you bet. But I just get, can I interject real quick? Because <laughs> yeah. I think that's great because yeah. I do see a lot of people, they don't want to show something to the stakeholders because, oh gosh, they're going to think this is the final thing. It's done. So I think that's great advice. And get it out there to your audience. Get get the feedback, get, get your stakeholders at, early intake, knowing that it's not done, it saves so much yeah. time. Yeah. And you can even let them know that too, right? Like, hey, this is a draft. Hey, this isn't my final thing. This isn't the best I can do. And that's okay, right? People, I think sometimes just want to see something, respond to it, and then you can refine afterward. This idea of AI, right? There's this, we have, you know, it's it's in the news everywhere. Everyone's talking about it. Oh man, AI is going to take over content development. And I, my guidance around that is just to not, not, be afraid of that technology. Um, I think it's a I think it's a really interesting tool, and there's a lot of interesting ways to use it. And I think it's for all of us as as video creators to experiment with that tool and figure out how we can push it to to its limits and see how we can use it to help our processes and the way that we build content ourselves. So I know I, I just sense a lot of fear out there around these new emerging technologies, and um, I'm just trying to encourage everyone to just hey sign up, check it out. Try it out and then see how you can actually use it uh, because there's no rules of how to use it right now. And it's up to to all of us to figure out what the best way to use that is going to be in the future. Great advice. And I, I always hesitant to talk about future episodes that have not been recorded because I don't know if they're going to really happen. But we are going to uh, we are planning an episode in the future about kind of about how you can use AI to help enhance your video creation process. We've got some, a great creator out there. So. So I love that you brought that up because very cool. it's very, very on topic for kind of the society world that we live in today. Um, but with that said, I want to I want to talk more about content strategy and the work that you do. So a, a couple kind of ground things here to help us understand. First of all, tell us a little bit about what Atlassian University. Now, you know, I read your in your bio, obviously, and somebody might say, I don't know Atlassian or maybe they don't know Jira or Trello. Hard to believe that that mm -hmm. someone doesn't know those tools. Uh, at least one of them. But for, for those who might not, tell us what is the Atlassian University? Yeah, so Atlassian University, we are the customer education team uh, at Atlassian overall. So our goal is to train customers essentially on how to use Atlassian products. So you can imagine somebody brand new to a product and they have no idea how to use it at all. That our team's job is to create content so that they can learn how to use it. Some may may need to administer the product. Some may need to actually build their career around a product. So we uh, content is the main thing that we build to be able to enable those customers to learn how to use Atlassian products overall. Okay, so that makes sense. Perfectly clear. Now, I, I've used this term content strategy. 
And I'm, I'm curious from your viewpoint of the world, especially from a customer education kind of view, what, what is content strategy or what does that mean for you in your role? Yeah. And, you know, content strategy traditionally is actually, I see it more as a marketing function. So uh, I know you're, Matt, you're, you're pretty familiar with this, but probably on your side, content strategy is very much tied to marketing and getting customers in at the top of the funnel and building up your, the, the brand and having them sometime, some way lead to a, a product sale. On our side, it's a little bit different, right? Because we're not we're not traditionally a marketing function. Customer education is still a kind of a new uh, t- type of team in in companies, and so I think it's still trying to to figure out what exactly it does. Mm-hmm. But most of the customers that we serve, you can imagine, are in a post sales motion, right? So so customers have already purchased Jira or Confluence, or they're already using Jira Confluence, and they just need to know how to use it most effectively to get their job done. And so that, so we're not necessarily the content that we're creating, trying to help, trying to drive customers to purchase the product, like traditional content marketing. What we're trying to do is to get them to stay with the product, right? To get them to not leave the product because they know how to use the product so well that they continue using the product and that they then roll it out to other people in their organization. They become a champion of the product and they continue to use their product over their entire career. So, so that's where the content strategy is a little bit different, where uh, the strategy on our side is to build content so that customers will continue using products after they've already purchased it, if that makes sense. No, it, make, it makes so much sense because, you know, you want, I mean, look, we're talking business terms and it might sound funny, but it's like make that cost to switch really hard because if I know a tool really, really well, right, it's like, oh, I got if I have to change to something else. Because it's so you want to, you're, you know, you're not just trying to, you're not tricking them, but you're getting them to use it, making it useful for them, right? Making sure they're getting the value out of the money they spent. And that, so that makes, I mean, it makes complete sense to me in terms of like, uh, you've got to design and think about what that content is, how you're going to approach it, how you're going to deliver it, where it's going to live, you know, what's the interaction points that the customer has. So I, so I, I love that um, for you, as you start thinking about this kind of big picture, you know, you guys have chosen the word university and university carries with the connotation just as much as like, I've got the TechSmith Academy, uh, kind of similar ideas and, and maybe a slightly different approach, but like those, those carry big, that's a big word. University means I, I know what a university means. I think about like, okay, there's this all inclusive kind of education that's happening. Um, for you, what are some, I, I guess the challenges of content that you're facing in terms of helping to make sure you got the right strategy or the right approach or the right content? What, what, what walls do you kind of, kind of rough up against? Because I mean, there's probably a million things you could do. You've got products that are well-established in the marketplace. They've got so much rich feature functionality. So uh, uh, what do you, what, what do you, I guess what's keeping you up at night, Andrew? Oh, this is, I didn't know this was going to turn into the like, your therapy <laughs> oh, man, session, but here we go. <laughs> yeah, <really. laughs> I don't know if we want to go there. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think I think one of the things that we're trying to there, I mean, many things that we're trying to grapple with at the moment, uh, but one is is prioritization of content, right? When you when you're at a, a company the size of Atlassian and there there are, say, 17 or more products, right? I don't, I don't even know. There was a lot of products in the Atlassian suite. Uh, it can be difficult to prioritize what type of what fo- products we focus on and where we focus our, our limited resources on that content. 
So what we're currently trying to do is figure out what that prioritization model looks like and how we decide, oh, we're going to make this piece of content over this piece of content because we think that that's going to have a bigger impact on our goals overall. So with that, we have certain criteria that you, that, that you can look at, like audience size, market analysis, market trends, um, internal stakeholder <laughs> analysis, other things that like all these factors together, how do we create some type of template and formula in a way that then we can see, oh, this is the top priority content that we need to build for this quarter. And then we can, the rest of it can kind of fall in line afterwards. So that's something that, that we've um, historically had some, some challenges with and we're, we're in the, in the mode right now of building something that's much more refined that we can start to build a, a prioritization um, calendar around. I'm just curious, and I don't want you to like try to give, I'm not trying to give have you give away anything you shouldn't give away, but I'm, I'm really curious, what yeah. are some of the decision points in that? Because I think this is, this is a thing that I think a lot of people struggle with, right? Like I've got mm-hmm. too many things I need to do, uh, you know, too many requests for content. I've got, you know, limited time, I you know, and some of it really should be different types of content. So it could, it, maybe it shouldn't all be written and it shouldn't all be video. So I guess what are mm-hmm. some of the decision points kind of g- generally that you are putting into place to help you make those, you know, determinations about what is and isn't getting made? Yeah, I'm, you know, one of the things that we're looking at is is a, a new content model overall, because you can imagine in a content strategy, you have many different audiences that you're trying to serve. And maybe some of those customers will come in at different points within that content model. And so what we're doing is defining each of those levels in the, in the content model and then figuring out what, which of those audiences do we think is most likely to come in and enter at that lesson level, like we're talking about the university, at the smallest point of, of contact, and then at the next level of a course level. And then the next is a, at a learning path. That, that is a full structured learning journey that may uh, be more tied to somebody uh, using that Atlassian products uh, tied to their career. And so that's, that's something that we're, that we're really focused on is trying to figure out that model itself and how, that, how we tie that back to the, the audiences uh, at, at those different levels. No, that's, I, I mean, that's really cool because all of a sudden you, you start thinking about those pieces maybe a little bit differently structurally, how you're going to build them. Because then if, if I'm if I'm your audience and I'm coming in at the lesson level, it has to stand alone if I if I didn't take the course three, pa- you know, three courses over this part of the path. Right. Like I might not have any knowledge about that. So so in that process, how, how do you do that? Like what what's a, advice you'd give? Because it feels like that could be that's tricky. Right. Like this stands alone. This stands alone. This stands alone. Yet they work together really well. Any any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, to be honest, Matt, we're still we're still working through this at the moment because uh, I think one one of the problems that we're trying to solve with that that new model is that there's uh, a lot of inconsistency across across the content that we've built historically, and so you'll see this with a lot of different um, content systems out there. Is that you you might uh, take one course and have this experience, and then you'll take another course and expect that same experience, but then it's completely different, right? Maybe there, maybe the first one had was all video content, and then the next one is you're opening up a a, a SCORM package, and it's a, it's some it's a different screen and a different format, and that customer experience is not something that we want. It's something that we <laughs> we don't want to uh, create. We want to try to create that consistency so that no matter what 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 point the customer enters within that journey, that they have a consistent experience. So where that goes then to to the advice piece is. 
creating those standards and guidelines around what your content looks like and and what formats you choose. Because otherwise, if you just have a lot of people developing content, we're all going to make different decisions, right? If you're going to make content, Matt, and I'm going to make content, but we don't have any rules, I might create something extremely different than what, what you're going to create, right? So so that's something that we're, we're currently diving deep into to uh, figure out what those standards are across the, the system. Yeah, I, yeah, this, I mean, I love this. And, and one of our, my coworkers, Ryan, he's been on the show before, Ryan Knott, he, he actually has this great quote. Uh, I quote him, I've quoted him a lot now, but he said that you get more strikes when you bowl with bumpers. And to me, this is what you're talking about, right? Like you have these bumpers, you have these rules, you have these structures so that you're going to hit the strike. You're going to get this consistent, approachable, whatever it is you desire to be versus if I'm just, you know, throwing gutter balls, I, we're taking the analogy too far, but like, um, so that makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm curious because you mentioned content types, right? And, and I mean, look, we're a show about using images and videos in the workplace. So obviously... There are different costs, different trade-offs if you're going to make a document, a PDF or some, you know, written course versus an image-heavy course versus video versus even an interactive SCORM package, right? Like there, there are different trade-offs. So when you're when you're working with a team and you're or you're dev- designing and developing these things, help help me understand like what goes into your thought process about when you decide to use use any of the different medium that are available to you. Because I think again. This is a point where people have a lot of like, oh gosh, you know, I, and I look, I'm a, a, everything's a nail when I, I have the hammer of video, right? Like everything's a video because I, <laughs> right. what I work for, but mm-hmm. I, I know from that kind of that just understanding of creating great learning content that that's not really the best approach. So I'm curious, how do you decide what media or mediums you're going to do? And, and then well, I want to talk more about the consistency because it does feel like, gosh, some things just are going to be like, yeah, let's make this text video, is that really an inconsistent experience? But content type first, mm-hmm. and then we can talk about that. Yeah, it's a it's an ongoing challenge. And I'm sure that many, many others have, have experienced the same thing. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a believer that in this world of self-paced training or on-demand training, the video is still the richest, most valuable uh, experience for driving learning outcomes, like when we're talking about learning videos um, themselves. But as you mentioned, there is a there there is a high cost to video, right? There's a, there's a much higher cost to build it, and there's a much higher cost to maintain it, especially if you're talking about product specific videos where uh, your product is probably going to change every week, right? A button might move from here to over here, and then you're going to have to redo that entire video. So so how do we make that decision? Um, there are many different philosophies on this, so I'll just share a, a few of mine. One one is that you know I, I like to think of it as Video content, because it is much more expensive from that perspective, historically, uh, trying to hone in on what is going to be the largest audience for the video. So uh, if you have maybe your job is to onboard a team to a, uh, a new product, and you know that onboarding is going to be probably the largest possible audience itself because everyone that, that uh, starts using the product is going to have to onboard in some sense. So because that video, that aperture is so wide of your audience that you know that that video in particular may be worth building, even though you know you're going gonna to have to pay more to build it and maintain it, it may be worth building just because you know it's going to have the largest possible impact to be able to achieve those goals, to onboard people to your product. 
And so you may you might say, okay, because I know my audience is so large, I'm going to to make that commitment to build video content for this. When you when you have another idea and you realize that the audience is is much smaller, like maybe video content would be the best for them to learn that specific thing. But from your own ROI and your own cost and maintenance to maintain it, it just really doesn't work out. And so that's one filter that that I like to use is just like the 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 general audience size overall and seeing what works for, for you there. Uh, another one, another one that's that's been interesting as I've been uh, at Atlassian is in product video. So uh, we have a really powerful research and insights team that provides data around which features are being used and which features uh, customers aren't using and which ones they're confused about. And so if you have such detailed research and insights that can that can provide you that information, it can be really valuable to help inform video content decisions. Uh, so for, for that purpose, we've experimented with um, maybe there are 10 features within the product that you know customers um, hit as barriers. Maybe it's those 10 that you have and you can serve up in product as video content to help them overcome those barriers actually within the product. So it's really if you can identify what the highest value content is, because especially with, with, with our customers, they request video still. Everyone wants video content all the time. They love to learn through video. But what your job is on the strategy side is to figure out what is the most the, the highest value opportunities and what's going to give you the best ROI, limited amount of cost, limited amount of maintenance overall. Yeah. Oh, I, I love those two lenses, right? I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think most people can kind of see the audience piece pretty easily. The insight's a little tougher. Uh, you got to work with, you know, your research team or figure out what it is, that, what are those barriers? But I mean, that makes total sense. Give give the richest, most kind of high end experience to the get them to get them through that, right? To get them hopefully to convert, to use, uh, to, to move forward. So Okay, I want to go back to this other question that I, I I know I should never throw two questions at a guest, and I apologize. Uh, this idea, like the consistency issue, right? Like, so if I've got a if I've got a course that is text, and I've got a course that's mostly video, is that really? I, I guess I'm I'm pushing back a little bit, Andrew. Uh, is that really feel inconsistent, or are there ways you feel like, yeah, that you can have a totally harmonious experience, but deliver different mediums because, uh, you know. Like I'm on the internet all the time. So I'm like always text, image, music, video, like it's mixed up. I'm not, I guess I'm not super worried about that as a consumer. And I'm I'm just curious where that falls and how you maybe manage that. So you're not having it. Cause like you just said, you can't create video for everything. So you can't do the your courses by nature of cost. Can't always be a hundred percent consistent. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I you know I I agree with you, Matt. I I I uh I didn't mean to say that like yeah everything needs to be in text or everything needs to be in video <laughs> for for consistency purposes. Um, what I meant by that more is the the actual customer experience and tools that that you use in that end, right? So if I I think I think in some of our our content we have SCORM packages that maybe open in different browsers, and uh, then in other content we have it's like you're in line and you're reading text, and and so like that type of experience where maybe you're jumping from one lesson to the next, and it's and it's very disjointed. That's that's the experience that that I'm trying to or, or that our team is trying to to figure out and how to how to solve how we get that consistency at the customer experience level with the tools that we're using. And not have uh, such a disjointed, sort of distracting, um, convoluted experience that is very difficult to, to navigate for the customers. 
So I think, I think the, to your point, within that actual content, once you have the content experience very clear, uh, absolutely. I think you can mix video content, mix interactive images, um, audio. I think there's a lot of different components within when you drill down into that actual content format that you can mix and match because like you said, we're all on the internet. We're all browsing many different forms of, of media all the time. And I think that experience itself is, is uh, just fine. It's like connecting all of those pieces together in that, in that larger content model and then turning that into a cohesive customer experience. That's the, the main challenge at the moment. Makes, makes total sense. And uh, I, I, you're, I love it. So thank you. Uh, so one of the things you talked about, let's talk about, you know, you talked about like even in product videos, you work with a product, I work with a product that, let's be honest, they get updated frequently. They're always changing, right? So, uh, you know, we've got software updates, things, you know, features get moved around, features get added, features get dropped. It, it's, it's a constant uh, kind of uh, merry-go-round of like, okay, things are changing. So I'm curious, particularly in that environment where you know things are changing a lot and you're still choosing to use video, right? It's still, it's not like you're saying, well, we're just no video. How, how do you manage to to do that and to keep up with things? What are some of the like, you know, decisions that you feel like you, you have to make or helps you decide like, yeah, this is really, it's okay to be a video or man, this, this, we're not going to do video here because it's, you know, it's changing yeah. too much. So. Yeah, well, one of those is the is is the large audience um, piece that mm-hmm. I talked to before, uh, and I think that I think in some ways, you know, I, I'm a, I'm always a big fan of of innovation and experiments, and so I think that sometimes you've got to just use the information that you have and and try it. Right? If you think that this is going to be a, a really popular video and it's really going to solve this big problem. Uh, that your customers are experiencing, then maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's worth trying it out and seeing and testing your own hypothesis. And then once you launch that out to customers and you find that, oh, actually no, no one's watching it or no one's finding this useful, then you have more information to then go inform your decision later on. Um, I've been fortunate that on on the team I'm on now, we've there's there's this very much a mindset of experimentation and innovation, which I think is absolutely critical for for every team. And so now after being there for two and a half years, we have tons of different experiments that we've run over the last few years. And now we can be more defi- more refined on what we decide to use as a video. Because I'll, I'll be honest, I've made a bunch of videos in the past two and a half years. And uh, some of them have done really well. Most of them haven't, <laughs> haven't really performed at all, right? So, but that's good information to know, right? That's good information to see, oh, why are these videos the ones that are doing best and how can we replicate that success across all of our other products or across all the other content that we're going to to create. So I'm a big fan of just replicating those successes in any way that you can. And once you do have successes, then you can dig deeper into that and, uh, and ask customers, why did this work? Or what what about this video in particular did you find most valuable? So that's that's been really, really helpful for us over the over the last few years. And I know that not everyone has that ability to do that. But no matter what content you put out, make sure that you monitor its performance because it can help inform those future decisions for you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, Andrew, as you guys are, as you're working with the designers, uh, I know you're probably still designing some of that content. Are, are there strategies that you're using to, to compartmentalize or componentize your videos to make it easier to switch things out? Or is it like normally just like, hey, we're going to write this video. It's going to be what it is. And if we have to do it, you know, there's going to be a cost to do kind of everything. Or are you getting good about like saying like reusable parts and 
make it easy to swap mm. things out. I, I'm curious just from that approach, because I think, I think a lot of people would love to go to that, but they don't, I don't know if that's really realistic always. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's still a challenge and, and we haven't, we haven't found any tools in our toolkit so far that can do that very easily in an automated process. Maybe Camtasia. I don't know. Maybe there's an update coming around that. Um, but we, we we don't currently have that where we can apply that across you know many videos and plug and play different pieces of the of the content within those uh, in and in and out. What we are experimenting with is at that next level, at the let's say lesson level or or course level, where we can make universal changes across the system if there are if there is a piece of content that's reused in multiple lessons or in multiple courses, we can just change that out. Um, very easily. But that doesn't get down to the granularity of within a video within that lesson. Uh, so so that's something that we're still still trying to work through and figure out what the best approach would be for that. Well, when Camtasia has that feature, I'll let everybody know. It's not today. <laughs> but, but you know, I, okay. but I think it's a design question, right? It's, it, uh, there's, I don't think that there's really many tools or any tools that I know of that can that could do that. But I, I do think about from a design perspective, how do you how do you make components or pieces so they're a little bit easier to swap in and out? You know, especially if you have a like a feature of a program that you're teaching about, right? That you know mm-hmm. that's volatile. It's going to change. The development team is experimenting with it. You know where it's at, placement stuff like that. But I know for us, one of the things that we often think about from a customer, particular customer education, but also marketing side of things, is like. You know, we're looking at things like, did this really change? Like, we, well, I'll use the record button in Camtasia as an example. So record button's big and it's red. It's consi- kind of consistent in place, but it's like, well, if we make a video about something else and it shows a record button, even if the record button change, it's no longer red, it's blue. But the focus isn't there. We're like, ah, just leave that alone. It's fine. People will figure it out. But then the other piece is like, can we really just swap out this 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 view of it? And that's hard. It's hard to design for that, but... So I was, that's what I was kind of curious about if you're making design decisions yeah. that way. Yeah, we've done that. We've done that. Absolutely. Like there's, there's a filter that you run it through of, of, does this really impact the customer's experience, right? This, this button changed or it just moved slightly. Like at what level does it actually impact that customer experience where now the video that you've created is more confusing because it has different language or it's a completely different user interface. Um, those are the things that that absolutely we need to to change this video. But yeah, we we definitely try to extend that as long as possible uh, and and talk with customers until we get to the point where they're very confused and we have to actually <laughs> redo the entire thing. You know, another thing that too that I think you can do with basic probably basic learning videos in software is what we've done is is you know there's there's often a lot of conceptual information you you need to learn about software as well at the beginner level terms you know there's especially if you if you use jira software or any of these there's a lot of words that you know in normal english language aren't used very often and so with with that type of thing there's a lot of video content that you can create without actually ever showing the product itself and what we've done is, is we've been sort of creative with creating a generic product UI that we can still teach about the product itself, but it doesn't actually show the, the, the real product. So, so this is what marketing does um, pretty often is they create some type of like generic looking product 
that they can then use um, for a much longer time, right? They've got that evergreen process down. Um, so we've, we've tried to, to borrow those ideas from marketing and use generic uh, user interface um, assets in some of the, the training videos. And those have actually been, been really successful too. So that's another, another one that you can try. I, I love that. We, we call that simplified user interface or SUI, S-U-I. Um, oh, and, nice. And so yeah. we, talk, we, we talk about it, but that's a, it's a great, I mean, for anyone who's listening to this and who doesn't know what that is and you want, uh, there's an epi- old episode of the Visual Lounge with Anton Boland. We talk about that called, uh, you know, we're talking about SUI. There's also, um, go to the TechSmith website, you can find some stuff because it is so valuable, right? Because all of a sudden, the, I think the key thing here is that you've got this generic looking interface. It's no words. It's kind of blocks and shapes rather than the actual interface. And it, the lifespan of that, right? If something changes, the text changes, the word change, like little things change. It's like, well, it's just a block and a shape. It doesn't, it doesn't really look different. And I'll just say that um, one of the things I'm very excited about is because those videos, you know, it's a little harder to make those sometimes because, you, you know, but with Camtasia, my own little plug here, the mouse cursor path, you can add your own mouse cursor path. And now you can you know, animate over that, if whether you made it in, in Illustrator or Figma or Snagit or however you made that kind of generic interface. It's easy now to make that screen video because you can just move the mouse cursor. So. Sorry for the sorry for yeah. the rant and the plug, but it's no. I, I love this topic. I'm all about the Camtasia plugs. Yeah, I, I keep them coming. We we use Camtasia as our main video editor at at Atlassian University, and uh, love it. It's uh, it's just simple. It's easy for anyone to to jump into. And that that mouse cursor path, it is it is incredible. I'm surprised more editors haven't adopted something similar because uh, it's a great feature. Well, we we appreciate that, Andrew. Thank you, and. Uh, we hope they don't. It's, it's ours. We, we, we made that. <laughs> that's true. Well, anyone well, listening, don't copy it. That's right. Uh, Andrew, this has been uh, what a great conversation. Yes, I, I, I know I've learned a ton here. I've got some great ideas even to take back to our teams. I'm even thinking about like, hey, customer education team, I think I'm going to se- just send them this video like, hey, here's some perspectives. Hope, hopefully it helps. Um, but with the time that we have, what's, I want to go to our speed round. For those who are new to the show, speed round are quick answers, quick questions. We are chosen by the the luck of a die, 12-sided die here. So let's go ahead and jump in right now. All right, Andrew, are you ready? Because here's what we've got. We've got our our very own dice cam. This I don't know if we, when you were last on the show if we had the wow. dice cam. So uh, I'm, I've got a green and white die for you. I uh, hope that's colors are okay. And uh, we're going to go first up is question number four. So we've got question number four here. Okay, this is this might be this might be a harder question to to go because it's we've talked a lot about things. So it's what's a tip or best practice, tip or best practice not mentioned today that you would want to share with us. And I'm going to say it doesn't have to be about image or video. It could be about anything that you think's on your mind that you'd love to share with our audience. Tip or best practice. Mm. Tip or best practice. Hmm. All right, I'd say so. So I. Didn't start with this, but I've recently moved into this strategy role. But for the rest of my career before that, I was in content development uh, overall. And so um, this is still relatively new for me and I'm still kind of kind of getting up to speed on this. Um, What I would say for anyone that's in that that space of you're a content developer now or a video editor and you want to move into this space, I think there's a lot of opportunity to drill down into strategy at the actual level that you're building. A, a video. So I just remember in, in uh, earlier in my career, I would be 
uh, just kind of building a video because someone said, hey, we need this video built. And I'm like, okay, great. Um, but I, looking back on it, there's a lot of opportunity to be like, well, why are we building this video? What are we building it for? What is the actual outcome that I'm trying to drive with this, this video? And I think just even like getting in that, that mindset at the micro level, at the individual piece of content helps to then when you zoom out and then look at the big picture to be able to think of, of, of strategy overall at, at that level. I, I love that. I think that's a, that is a great tip because I think you make better content as a content, if that's your sole job is content creation, I think you make better content when you're asking those type strategy type questions. You don't necessarily have to define all the strategy, you don't have, but you ask, I really, I really like that one. So great, great. So here we're going to take away the four. Let's roll again for our next question. Ooh, three. We're just, we're just going to move right down the list, kind of up the list, I guess. Uh, so Andrew, you've done, you've done a number of things being at, at working for a lot that's a great, a great thing. Uh, what's something that you're most proud of in your career? So you have something that maybe you, you think you're really, it doesn't have to be a, you know, it's a career thing, but it doesn't have to be at Alassian. What's, what's something you're proud of? Yeah. You know, first thing that comes to mind is, uh, being self-employed. I was self-employed for four years before working at Atlassian and Atlassian was a, one of our, the contracts that I, that I had, uh, as I was self-employed. And, uh, it was always a big goal of mine to, to do that, to be out on my own and to freelance and to be able to sustain myself financially in that and, um, was able to, to do that successfully. So, uh, that's, that's the one that sticks out to me. And, um, it just gave me the, the confidence that, I could do that again in the future if I want to. And um, it helped me understand that I think that anyone can ha- has the ability to, to do that if they really uh, want to put in the time and, and effort. I love that. And congratulations that you were able to do that. It's, uh, it's always impressive when I meet. I have lots of friends who do this kind of, you know, the solo thing. And it's, uh, it's a lot of work. So kudos to you for sure. It is. Yeah. A lot of things that you don't think about um, when you have the idea at first. So. <laughs> right. All right. Let's do what let's do one more question here. Let's see what the dice is going to bring us. Right. Uh, we're 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 just hovering in the same area. I mean, the yeah, we are three turn to five. That's the, the role. OK, this is a fun one. Uh, so you are truly an expert at making videos. You're becoming an expert at content strategy. Maybe you are fully an expert. Uh, you shared a lot of great things with us today and, you know, you got to talk a little bit about your work and the things that you're doing, but what's something you're an expert in that we might not know about? Something that maybe is that hidden expertise and it doesn't have to be work related, but your what's your, your hidden expertise that you've got for us? Mm, hidden expertise that I've got. Um, wow. Wow. That's a that's a good one. Well, I know something you well, said today. If you got if you don't got one, okay. I've got one because you you talked about music, so that could. I want to hear yours first. I, yeah. I think the music, right? Like I didn't know you made. I didn't know you're uh, a yeah. creator. That's a that's amazing. Like that's that's a true skill and and talent. Yeah, music music creation is one. I I you know to be honest, man, I haven't done that in a little while, so it's hard for me to say expert at it at the moment. Um, <laughs> my my real thing and and hobby outside of of work are uh, ball sports. So I've just grew up playing all sorts of, of different sports. And today uh, I play tennis, golf, basketball, soccer, just any any sport out there. So I have um, sort of a natural knack for 
hand-eye coordination for some reason, and uh, it just makes makes playing sports a lot of fun. So that's that's been my thing. Ball sports. Perfect. Well, you know, as the person who does not have good eye-hand coordination, I, I it makes playing those sports miserable. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like I'm a mess on the court, and but but that's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, any uh, any amazing shots in golf or tennis that you've made that you're just like, oh, could never never quite do that again, but it was awesome in the moment. Oh, I think we can always get. I, I think we can always keep learning and keep getting better. That's that's my mindset. So. I don't think I've reached the peak yet, you know? No, I'm sure. I'm sure I have. I'm getting, no, that, getting up there in age, so I'm sure. You know? No. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you, even then it's in the craft, right? It's maybe not in the power or the... Right. The, it's in the craft. Exactly. So. Well, Andrew, right. thank you again for sharing your expertise with us. Thank you for sharing with us so many great ideas and thoughts. Um, if someone wants to connect with you or learn more from you, where should they go? Um, yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best place at the moment. Um, I'm, I check that pretty often. So send me a message or, or just connect with me on there. And uh, yeah, love to love to catch up. Perfect. Perfect. So, Andrew, we like to ask our guests at the final to, to share with us their kind of summary, their, their final take. So I'm curious for you from today's show, what is your final take? Yeah, final take using video and content strategy. Well, um, you know, I'd, I'd first say video content overall, be really clear on what goal you're trying to achieve with your video content. Um, video can be an extremely powerful tool for, for learning and, and especially for self-paced learning on the internet. And so make sure that um, you do your best to uh, start with a goal and then dig into the actual details of the video and build something that's really powerful for, for your audience. So uh, as a, as a co- at the content strategy level, I'd say video. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be part of your your content strategy, but video itself can can fully enrich your content uh, and take it to the to the next level. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing, and Andrew. Thank you for being on the show. Coming back after we put you through the panel is your first experience. We're so grateful for you being here and sharing your expertise. Thanks a lot, Matt. This was a blast. You bet. All right, everybody, go check out Andrew's stuff. Go connect with him on LinkedIn. Go learn from him. I mean, so many great ideas, especially if you're you're learning about content strategy, not not only from a marketing side, but also that learning side. I think there's some really great advice about just, you know, thinking about how you're going to go about making your videos, why you're going to make the videos and how do you get the most from them? Because that cost is real and you want to make sure you're optimizing that for yourself, for your time, for your organization, so that you get the success for both you and for your audience. Well, Everybody, of course, we always like it if you like and subscribe on YouTube, if you follow us on your podcast apps that you're listening to. In fact, one of the things I'm asking lately is go out to Apple. If you listen on Apple, go leave us a review. I get to see those reviews. It helps the show get found. We want more people to learn and grow with us along the way about using images and video in the workplace because we think there's a lot there for everybody to help them to be more successful. So, of course, as we like to end with our mantra every time at the end of the show, we hope you take a little time to level up every single day. Thanks, everybody. 